Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Networker. We will also simultaneously share this episode in our other podcast, our other podcast honoring women of color in public health, because we have two fantastic episodes here. We've had um, Camille Magante join us recently, and we um, today are talking to Reina Claire Sabal, who is a Filipina American in the Bay Area. She's a master's student and PH student at Berkeley, and she is one of our interns with the Public Health Podcast Network Practicum. So you can see some of her great work on our website, publichealthpodcasters.com, some of her podcast episodes and news stories. Today, she's talking about the great history and culture and family dynamics of being Filipina in the United States, talking about public health and talking about the importance of research. In this episode, we, we call it Activism and Research for Filipinx Culture and Heritage. So we hope you enjoy this episode of the Public Health Networker, simultaneously sharing with honoring women of color in public health. And to learn more about us, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. Are you feeling burnt out and exhausted in the field of public health? Do you feel like you're constantly working and never taking time for yourself? We need a call to action for all of us to prioritize rest and self-care in our lives as we care for other people through our work and to resist that notion that we've always got to be on. I'm so excited to announce our upcoming book club, which is an interactive workshop throughout the month of July. We will be reading the book, Rest is Resistance, by Trisha Hersey, a powerful and inspiring book that highlights the importance of rest and self-care, especially for those of us in the BIPOC and public health communities. We will also be discussing related texts as they relate to public health literature and similar authors on the theme of rest as a form of resistance and self-care. Throughout this book club, we will be exploring how we can liberate ourselves through rest and having meaningful discussions on how to apply these concepts to our own lives with the context of public health and BIPOC awareness and allyship. We will also be providing resources and tools for you to practice self-care and rest throughout the month of July and onward. We will provide you with a copy of the book, Rest is Resistance, and related texts as you join us for a month of reflection, connection, and growth. We can't wait to hear your thoughts on the powerful book, Rest is Resistance. Sign up for the book club today at publichealthpodcasters.com slash book club, and let's take the first step to prioritize rest as resistance. Today we are speaking with Raina Claire Sibal, and she is a student at UC Berkeley doing her master's in public health. And she also works with us at the Public Health Podcast and Media Network for her practicum. And we love having her with, and she has great topics for research. So welcome, Raina Claire. Thank you for having me, April. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today because we are here to talk about philam uh, culture and heritage. You know, I, I believe it should happen all year round, right? Really happy to have you with us today to discuss Filipino American culture and public health. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited, April. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Raina Claire. I am doing the online program with UC Berkeley for my master's in public health. Um, I actually work for a hospital, um, like helping specialty clinic patients 
And I actually started out on like my healthcare career, wanting to go into medicine. It was just one of the dreams I had, but it quickly died down during the pandemic. Um, public health started to be much more relevant to me. And I'm just wanting to educate and promote more access to healthcare is one of things I'm most excited about in public health. You know, we're excited that you switched over from um, MD track to public health, but you can always go back, right? But there are a lot of MDs and MPHs, so it's always still an option if you choose that in the future. But for now, we welcome you and we will always welcome you. Tell us about, tell us a little bit about culture growing up Filipino-American. I live in the Bay Area. I've lived here since I was about five, but I grew up in Southern California um, in a very white neighborhood. Um, I went to a Catholic school. Um, I was one of the only Filipino kids in my class. Um, so growing up, I was pretty much alone being Filipino where I was. When I moved to the Bay Area, I was just surrounded by people who looked like me, people I could relate to, people with families um, that I could like relate to and mm-hmm. and talk to and feel comfortable. And I feel like it's such a blessing to be able to live in an area um, where Filipino history is so um, deeply rooted. Uh, we actually, the the area I live in, it's, it's very close to Berkeley, but it's ground where Cesar Chavez um, led his his um, his movement during the the seventies, and two farmers who are part of that movement but who didn't get enough recognition until recently were Larry Itliong and Philip Veracruz, and now we're the first city with two schools named after those leaders. So it's just a big blessing to be part of that. I wasn't directly part of it, but I'm really proud of it. I love that. Thank you so much for mentioning that because yes, I mean, those are, that's the first time I've heard those two names. Mm -hmm. So this is really important. And that is something we need to learn more about in history. So there's so much missing history still in this country. Also, like what you said, in Southern California, people would be surprised, right? That there is still, uh, there are pockets where there are there is a huge lack of diversity. I would also include my county here in Southern, most Southern California. Um, some po- pockets are very undiverse. Um, so tell us a little bit about public health and how it intersects in Fili- Filipino American communities. I think one of the really defining characteristics of um, Philippine, being Filipino and working in the health sector and seeing um, the diversity that is cared for in, in health care systems is the family unit. Most Filipino Americans are pretty much devoted to their family in every decision they make. Um, being part of a family, it it kind of can get in the way of making certain healthcare decisions, but at the same time, it it keeps the family strong. Um, one of the things I've always been proud of is just knowing if you're part of a family, you're part of a generation, or you're part of several generations to take care of one another. So pretty much as a grandkid 
you know it's one of your duties to care for your grandparents. Um, that's something that I had to go through for both of my grandparents, um, my cousins. We've all taken care of our own grand of our grandparents and split shifts and things like that. There's just a big need to involve family in major healthcare decisions. Um, at the same time, there's also just a lot of stigma around making certain healthcare decisions, um, such as involving religion in your thought process. Religion is a major um, factor in being Filipino, Catholicism being one of the major religions, of course. And I think there's just a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into health, not just um, the individual. It's one of the things I've noticed. I think about, um, in particular, something like mental health, right? So if someone is dealing with depression or anxiety, is that something that is difficult to address in the family and outside of the family? Yes, mental health is one of the, the bigger issues, I think, because not a lot of families want their kid to be going through that, let alone wanting anyone else to know about that. So it it often gets concealed and people who have mental health issues are not getting the help that they need. Um, so it's 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 really sad, but it also just it needs to be brought to the limelight so that more, especially more young people who are going through mental health issues um, with the pandemic and um, other changes in society so that they can get the help that they need and and feel comfortable talking about their issues. So I think about like in, for example, like in the Chinese culture, people don't talk about their feelings. Like you will, you won't usually won't even address mental health within the family. Like talking to a parent about that is weird. Like it's not, it's not comfortable and it's not welcomed. Uh, and then talking about um, just anything in particular, asking any sort of just having like questions and topics about feelings is uncomfortable. Um, I'm curious to know if that's similar in Filipino culture. It's very similar. So rarely do you have those classic TV moments where, you know, it's like a full house moment where you're talking to your parent and it's just this open book and you can explain what you're going through because your parents don't often have the, they don't have the same thought process as you having grown up, if they were immigrant parents, having grown up in the Philippines or having gone through the immigration process. Um, it's not very common to tell your parents everything and be so open being a Filipina. Um, I I feel lucky. I've I've been able to get so close and so um, used to my mom. <laughs> so <laughs> I talk to her a lot, but not a lot of families can do that. And I think a lot of it has to do with the mentality of working hard, getting a good job, staying focused, um, there's not really time to talk about your feelings or to take a mental break, not for everyone. So it's it's one of the things that aren't really talked about that much, but should be. And then um, I guess I'm curious, do you speak Tagalog? 
I tried to. Okay. I I grew up so I grew up surrounded by my my grandma and my mom. Um, I have a single parent, and they always spoke to me in Tagalog. I can speak it a little bit, but I'm not very fluent. I can speak it if I have to, but it's not in any proper kind of form. And it's one of the things I wish I learned is to speak proper Tagalog with like the correct conjugation to be able to um, speak to elderly communities. It's it's a little harder, but a lot of elderly Filipinos are really understanding here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of kids grow up speaking Filipino and English together. Mm-hmm. And it's never too late. So yes, <laughs> so you're taking you know classes going on. Traveling is usually the best way to learn yeah. language. So never too late. Um, I'm curious. So if you talk about, you know, with your parents and then talking about American culture, Filipino American culture, what are some of the public health challenges that have been happening? So one thing we see a lot of is like people are in better health until they immigrate. <laughs> so I'm curious to see what that looks like, to hear what that looks like with Filipino American culture compared to being um, you know, in the homeland. Yes. I I've read a few papers on how the that process exactly the difference between Filipinos in the Philippines and their health versus Filipino Americans and their health just the cultural mismatch of like what kind of foods are available um how much exercise you're getting that alone is just a a determinant of health that is is often overshadowed um, by everything else. I think the the Filipino American lifestyle has just gotten it's it's gotten more popularized. Um, so we're now seeing a lot more Filipinos in the limelight, um, but health is not really a priority um, for like sharing sharing ways to be healthy is not really as much as a priority as getting out there mm-hmm. the Filipino culture. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just curious course, if your parents have ever said anything about their health, like in terms of before and after, like when they're in the United States or do they talk about like, you know, how healthy the food was or like how they used to have access to delicious fruits in the neighborhood, anything like that? That's true. Yes. One of my mom's favorite things is talking about like all the fruits that were available in the Philippines, Um, just so many different kinds of fruits. And they were all so good and fresh. And here, when you come to a grocery store, you just see the typical fruits. Um, Fruit is, it's still widely available, but because it's not a fruit that you grew up eating, you're not going to gravitate toward it. So while my mom was in the Philippines, one of her favorite fruits to eat, well, she had several, but her favorite fruit to eat back then was cherimoya. Here, it costs like $9 a pound, or it's some really expensive um, value, and you rarely get to eat it because it's so expensive. Um, It's not really, she's not really one to pick up a banana and eat that. So, the preferences do get in the way of your health, um, along with the mismatch in just 
what foods are available. Yeah, and just uh, geographically, different parts of the United States are so spaced out. Getting access to walking and exercise is not so easy either. So I'm just curious about that. What has um, diabetes and those types of things, um, hypertension, looked like in the Filipino community? It's pretty high. So it's diabetes, cardiovascular diseases. Those diseases are pretty high amongst Filipino Americans. And the traditional Filipino cuisine, it doesn't help that. But forcing upon change, um, so healthcare providers forcing people to change the way they eat, that just, that will change everything for Filipino Americans. So one of the things I'd be really interested in doing is being part of um, some kind of, of initiative to still preserve Filipino culture through diet, but find ways to be culturally sensitive about suggesting changes because Filipinos, well, at least Filipino Americans that I know, Filipino families wouldn't take to those changes right away. Um, so rice is a staple in Philippine cuisine. It's just one of those things you have to keep in mind that not everyone is going to accept changes if that means changing their culture. Yeah, and a study I've been wanting to do, and um, it's a lot about how people who have lived the longest, how do they live, right, in different cultures. I think that would be wonderful to hear because there is a healthy lifestyle regardless of you know what everyone else is eating there's something in the culture that people are really doing well right there's always someone who's a hundred and something years old you know and I think they have all the wisdom that that we need to learn right whether sometimes they still smoke but sometimes they still um there's something else there that keeps them healthy regardless so I'm just really curious to to know what that is across cultures me too. Yeah, that would be really good to look at. It's just a way to see that tradition still, tradition can still like help you live rather than kill you. Yeah. And I'm sure you, you've heard or, or you've met Filipinos who are living in their hundreds or in their nineties, right? There's, there's, there's always in the culture, there's someone who's living this very healthy lifestyle. I'm just really curious to to know what they're doing, you know? I think we all need to know. Yes. <laughs> how, how we can modify our diets and our cult, our uh, cultural, um, what do I want to say? Cultural competency in a way that we can, you know, speak to different cultures appropriately about living well based on real life uh, case studies, <laughs> you know, um, best, yes. best practices. Yeah, what else would you like? people to know more in terms of Filipino culture, Filipino public health, Filipino American history and heritage? Yes, I think a lot of health research has come out lately um, on Asians as a collective, but very rarely are Filipinos just as an, as an individual group looked at in healthcare research. So a lot more research should be done involving Filipinos. I know there's 
um, there's kind of a hesitancy among the Filipino culture to join research initiatives just out of um, fear and just discomfort with science. So a lot more um, education and welcoming into the scientific community would do a lot of good for Filipinos in the United States. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And there's definitely ways that that can be done, right? We have Filipino researchers, uh, people like you, we have Filipinos, Filipinas who are in the field of public health. Uh, there are different types of research. It doesn't always have to involve blood or organs or, you know, biosamples. There's other types of like behavioral research and um, surveys, interviews. So even just um, being able to start from there um, with the Filipino community uh, as researchers in the field, I think will inspire a lot more trust, right? A lot more comfort. And um, I think that's really what we need to do. We need to cultivate more diversity in public health, leadership, and representation. So that's why we invited you today to speak to us. And so today we honor you uh, as a person of color, as a woman of color in public health. Yeah, so thank, thank you so, so much. much. It was my honor. Thank you, Rena Claire. So we love having you working with us uh, for your practicum. And uh, we hope that you'll continue to connect with us uh, for many more months and years ahead. And uh, we are so excited. We look forward to watching you develop and grow your public health career. Thank you, April. I'm excited too. I'm I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like I could see myself here for a, quite a while too. I'm I'm loving it. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so that's so important for us to know. So we love it too. We love having you with us. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much for this conversation. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Public Health Networker. Continue the conversation with us at our upcoming July event on Rest as Resistance as we talk about public health, colonization, BIPOC experiences, and public health. So that'll be an interesting conversation, an interesting journey throughout the month of July. Also, we have a couple more episodes as it relates to public health and API heritage. We hope you'll join us in the coming episodes ahead. To learn more about us again, visit publichealthpodcasters.com.